Amen, amen. How many of you know that what you and I receive from the Lord has more to do with us than it does with Him? That's hard for people to understand. No, it ain't. It's not hard for people to understand. It's hard for people to swallow because we live in a society that everything's supposed to be done for us. And if it's not, then there's something wrong with somebody else. Certainly it's not something wrong with us. And really and truthfully, it's got nothing to do with what's wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's the fact that our minds need to be renewed. And I'm telling you that God will supersede every uh, cosmic fundamental principle in the natural and in the spiritual to some, to, and he'll move heaven and earth to get to one person who will believe him and will obey him. And I'm going to prove it to you. Now in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, now I want you to believe with me because I've never taught, some of these things I've never taught. I've studied on them. I've danced around them. But I'm wanting to crack something open this morning that I believe, listen to me, is a prophetic word for us. All of us. And I believe it's a prophetic word for the body of Christ. And I don't just say so. I'm hearing others say so as well. And it's amazing to me how, you know, sometimes you'll get something inside of you and you just don't know, you just can't articulate it. You just don't know how to get it across. And then somebody says something, and it's like, that's it. That's, that's what I've been trying to, how I, I, I'm articulating, but I'm running around. I can't get it out. And so last week when Pastor L.A. came, it's like he apostolically, because of, the, because of the role that he plays in my life and the role that he plays in the life of this church, and because of his age, his experience, and his anointing, there was a word that was brought forth about ever-changing winds, about the, the culture and how this culture is different, and we need to engage that culture and how we engage it and what should we do and some things that we need to live by. And I thought and I prayed about that, and I said only Pastor L.A. could have delivered that because there's a mantle and a mandate on his life and see, these are things that I've talked to him about, that we've talked about, but I just, it's like, I couldn't get it out. I couldn't articulate it the way he did because of the anointing and the mandate on his life. Well, how many of you know you have a mandate on your life? Three of you say that, amen, you believe that? How many of you know you have a mandate on your life? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. To everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. Now I want you to understand something about this word time. There's two words in the Greek for time. One is chronos, which we get chronological and chronology. And Kairos, Bill, you familiar with Kairos, the prison ministry. Kairos is a qualitative word. It's, it's, it's not about a specific time as much as it is a season. Everybody say season. A season of time. Kronos 
is something measurable on a linear scale. We talked, uh, I threw up on everybody on Wednesday night. I don't mean literally, I mean spiritually. Because it's like these things have been boiling up in me and I just exploded. And we talked about all kind of stuff under the sun, didn't we? We talked about everything under the sun. But I talked about chronos and kairos and how that chronos is a linear time in a moment. If I say I'm going to meet you at Tuesday morning at 7.30 for prayer and everybody says amen, then that means at 7.30 somewhere in that vicinity we're going to start praying. But if I say that we're entering into a season, a time, a kairos of prayer, that means there's a window of time. It's not, okay, that's it, that's the kairos. No, that's chronos. That specific time is chronos. But this time here, this spance of time, is kairos. Now listen to me. We live in a kairos moment. Right now, in this time, there, this is a kairos moment for you and for us. And the enemy wants to lie and deceive and take that away from us. But I'm telling you, I can't get it out. I cannot, have not, have not been able to. I am now. Have not been able to articulate to you the prophetic weight that this word plays on all of our lives. We are in a kairos moment a kairos moment to everything there is a season a time for every purpose under heaven there is a season there is a kairos moment for every season in our life and that season for us is right now it's what I'm calling the divine principle there's a divine a season for everything and underneath that season for everything is sowing and reaping dying and living there's a season, fall, winter, summer, spring, four seasons. You can't really, that people, try to, people try to pinpoint, okay, winter starts now. And I remember the day they said winter starts now, we were wearing shorts this year. Somebody said, we have, we have, we have summer all year long and then February. Well, that ain't even been true. February has been warm. But you know that there are seasons. We may be sweating, fixing to go skiing in the middle of February, but those guys over there in the north, they're freezing cold because the snow won't stop. There's a season and a time. And the turmoil and the things that are going on in the earth right now, listen to me, guys. We're living in a Kairos moment where we have a window of time where we can engage this culture and make an impact. There was a Kairos moment this morning during praise and worship. It was a Kairos moment. And if we hadn't have been careful, we'd have let it pass right by. But we didn't. We engaged. We stepped in, we stepped in there. Some of you got your salt in this back. Renewed your mind to the fact that you never lost it, but you got it back. You feel energized. You feel good. So I want you to approach what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes prophetically. What does that mean? I mean, I want you to understand that I'm not just teaching you some principles. I'm delivering something that I feel by the Spirit of the Lord that is in me that is a prophetic word for us for right now, this season of time. A Kairos moment. Kairos is more about quality. Listen to this. It's the perfect moment. Are you ready? It's a moment when God decrees. It's when the divine favor meets divine opportunity. 
Divine favor means divine opportunity. In Genesis chapter 26, you don't have to turn there, but in Genesis chapter 26, Isaac was in the land and the Lord told him to go to the other land and he said, stay here and dwell here and they were in the middle of a drought and he said, I want you to sow into this field right here, right now in the middle of a drought. And he was like, huh? And the Bible says that he began to sow. Could you imagine what that looked like? In the middle of a drought, Isaac is out there on his John Deere tilling up the ground. And everybody's like, what are you doing? Nobody's here. There's no water. There's no moisture in the dirt. What are you doing? I'm doing what the Lord told me to do. You're spending diesel. You're spending man hours. You got all your people out here and you sowing in this field and there's been a drought. Are you crazy? And he says, I must be, but this is what I feel like the Lord. There's a moment of time when divine favor meets divine opportunity. And you and I can't know, we can't know specifically, we can't almost forecast it. But how many of you know you sense when you're in that moment? And Isaac sensed it. And the Lord said, so. And you know what happened? It said in the same year he reaped a hundredfold return. What is a hundredfold return on a thousand dollars? $100,000. $100,000. What's a hundredfold return on $100,000? Hmm? A hundred million. Listen to me. There's a season, there's a kairos moment, an opportunity that the Lord has stepped in, called us into to impact this culture, and it's right here, right now. In every way possible that you can imagine, it's right here, right now. I can't get it out. I've been unable, but I'm believing to get it out. Are you believing with me? Because I'm telling you, some of these things I've never told. I'm telling you, there is something on the inside of me that screams, this is the season, this is the time right now. Well, you know, we live in the South. So the South is like, well, it's about that time. No, it's time now. The enemy wants us to walk through life and go, okay, well, maybe. I might talk to that guy. I might talk to her. I might do this. I might do that. But there is a sense of urgency in the spirit that I cannot, I've had difficulty articulating. And I'm telling you, by the spirit of the Lord, it's time. He's looking for someone. Almost just begging, but looking for someone who will step out and do what he's called them to do. Esther chapter 4. Esther's an interesting... In a very, very interesting book. Never really taught out of Esther. I've studied Esther, read Esther, but never really taught out of Esther. Esther's about Esther's about a woman and her adopted uncle who really she was an orphan. And they were both Jewish. And God used them, the most unlikely people, God used them to to totally change the destiny of a nation. You believe God will use you to change the destiny of this nation? Esther, chapter, chapter 4. Let me give you the background. So... Um, the second in command's name was Haman at this time. Somebody, some people believe that the king of this time was King Xerxes I over Persia. I mean, they dominated almost the entire globe. 
And so Haman had it in his crawl to basically destroy the Jewish people. He didn't like them. He wanted to ruin them. And there was an exiled amount of Jewish people that were living in Persia at the time. And he manipulated himself because he's second in command and he's got the ear of the king. He manipulated himself to get in there and manipulate the king and convinced him to kill all the Jews. Well, Esther who had never revealed who she really was, her heritage, was one of the king's wives. So she had the ear of the king too. And what happened was that in this, in this moment, Mordecai hears of the decree and gets so upset and so angry and Haman doesn't like Mordecai wants to kill him. Now Mordecai, for the sake of this, you go study it out and read it out yourself, really is a type and a shadow of the Holy Spirit. And so he begins to intercede for the nation. And he goes to Esther and he says, and the, and the king declared a, a, a fast in the land. And, he, the king, and, and so Mordecai goes to Esther and says, you need to go. He sought the Lord and Mordecai got a word from the Lord. How many of you know you need a word from the Lord? But how many of you know almost more important or just as important as that word is the timing, the kairos to give that word? Right? Amen. You, you, amen. Because you can deliver a word in its wrong time and the seed falls on by the wayside and the sun dries it up. You and I need that kairos moment where we deliver that word. So he got a word. He goes to Esther, chapter 4. You know, in the Old Testament when people got upset... They would tear their clothes up and burn something and throw it up in the air. I mean, they were very, very expressive. This thing was affecting him greatly. And so he comes and he tells Esther, verse 13, no. He tells her to go to the king. Now, you didn't go to the king whether you were married to him or not unless you were summoned. And he had already sealed himself off and said, don't nobody bother me. And so you do that, and he doesn't extend his scepter, you die, whether you his wife or not. And she was afraid. And Mordecai said in verse 13, he said, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. He says, listen, you, you think you're going to escape this? You're not. Because if you don't deliver, if you don't step out and take advantage of this Kairos moment, it's gonna, not only is it going to pass you by, but you're going to get sucked up in the backlash anyway, and you're going to die anyway. For if you remain, verse 14, completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's all right to be fearful in those aspects. It's all right for you to be honest with the Lord and the Holy Spirit and say, I, I don't want to do that, I'm scared. But the Holy Spirit said through Mordecai, if you don't do this, the Lord will find another way. Guys, listen to me. This proves right here that God has more than one way of doing things. He told Moses, he said, listen, i tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to wipe them all out and we'll start over. And Moses said, 
No, don't do that. You understand that God has more than one way of doing things. Do you believe that? Because see, some people don't believe that. They believe that God's going to do what he's going to do. Oh, he's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to make it do what he do, baby. He's going to do what he has destined to do, but the avenues, the vehicles, and the ways in which he does it can change depending on us. There are some people that aren't here that should be here, and there are some people that are here that should be here, and there are people that are out there that aren't here that should be here. None of that matters because all of us have an individual designed free will that we can obey the Spirit of the Lord or not. I can't get over to us. See, for the kingdom of God, He's going to do what He set it up. The Word of God will not return unto Him void. But whether or not you and I align ourselves with that Word, come on now, whether we align ourselves with that Kairos moment is up to us. And it will, and it can, and it has at times passed us by. Judas, it passed Judas by. And it almost passed Peter by. When Peter was in the boat, we're going to turn there in a little while, but when Peter was in the boat, how many of you know there was 11 other people that didn't get out of the boat? He didn't say, come Peter. Now I'm going to take just a little bit of liberty. Because God is very specific. Jesus was very specific in what he said. Do you agree? When Jesus spoke to Lazarus, what did he say? He said, Lazarus? Why did he say Lazarus? Because if he just said, come forth, everybody on the earth would have snatched up and come forth. So Peter said, Lord... Okay, let's just go there. Matthew chapter... Oh, I'm fixing to share something with you that's really good. And you can thank my wife. Because she got it, not me. I just stole it from her. Matthew chapter 14, you ready? Matthew chapter 14. Jesus fed the 5,000. Verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Listen to me. God, I just saw this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus is already getting them ready and preparing them for when he's really going to leave. See, he ain't really leaving right now, but he's getting them ready. He's he's letting them test the waters. Look at here. And listen to me. God is getting us ready right now. There are things that are going to start happening in the life of this church that's getting us ready for the future. Red Sea, walking on water moments. Because God's getting us ready. He's getting you ready, and He's getting me ready, and He's getting us ready together. There are things that are going to start happening right now in these moments that are getting us ready for the future. Man, I ain't never said that before, but that's... mm. Are you ready for those moments? Because I'll be honest with you, I'm like, woof. Lord, if that's you, bid. Wait a minute, let me think about that before I say that. No. Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Are you listening to me? 
And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. So he spent, some scholars believe, because it says, verse 24, But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, that was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So Jesus was up in the mountain, he was praying. The wind and the waves and all this storm started coming, and he recognized, I believe, he recognized and realized that something was going on. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Fourth watch came, verse 25. And Jesus at the night went to them walking on the sea. He, there was something inside of him. There was a Kairos moment because Jesus never passed up Kairos moments. There was something inside of him that says go. The Spirit of the Lord, the Father said go to your, pe- to your men and be with them. But the boat was now, okay, so verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Now, how many of you believe that every word in this Bible has been taught and given for us, for our exhortation, for our comfort, for our edification, and for our teaching, right? You believe that? All right, so in the middle of the night and in the middle of the storm, when you see something that looks like a ghost walking on water, don't be scared. Come on, we shouldn't repeat what they did. Because it was, it was given for our admonition, right? So we walking through life and Jesus immediately says, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water. Are you bold enough to be looking in the midst of a storm And see, now listen to me, this analogy is going to break down and I'll tell you why in a minute, but I'm going to say it like this. Are you willing to look out there and see something that looks like Jesus? And yet every fiber in your being is scared. And then you hear the word of the Lord and he says, do not be afraid. Are you and I bold enough to go, okay, well if that's you, then tell me to come on out on the water. Because out of all 12 of them, there was only one that did that. Do you want to be one of those? Or do you want to be Peter? Because when you step out there, you got to remember, when he said, come, you step out, and it's crazy out there. He didn't say, okay, shh, everything calmed down. And everything got calm. And everybody felt good, and the sunshine came out. It's like that, those, uh, what's that, uh, those commercials they got, the Old Spice commercials, you know, where those guys are walking around, and it's like everything's just hunky-dory, and all of a sudden he goes, come, and Peter goes, man, this is great, walking on the water. No, everything was chaotic, everything was crazy, everything that was going on, and he still wasn't 100% positive that that was Jesus. But there was something inside of him that said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. And he said what? He said, Peter, come. Sometimes your ability to walk on the water will come from somebody else's word. See, the heart of a father 
Pastor L.A.'s heart, I know his heart. Pastor L.A.'s heart is he wants me and you to stand on top of his shoulders and go further than he ever went. So he stands out there and he says, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Let us not be one of the disciples that stay in the boat and say, no, we're going to check this thing out and see how it rolls. No, let us be the ones that said, Lord, the wind of change. I want, if it's you, bid me to come and engage my culture. Sometimes what happens in your life is not really, that didn't come from you. It comes from, are you ready? The Kairos moments in our life. That was a Kairos moment. Jesus didn't, well, you know, he said, come to Peter. No, he didn't. He responded to Peter's question with an answer that would benefit everyone. And I believe if there was anybody on the face of the earth at that moment had started walking on water, guess what? But only one man did. Peter. Now, you ready? So he, Yeah, but he started sinking. I said... There was only one other man in history that walked on water. Who was it? Peter. Yeah, but he sank. There was only one other man in history. You know what's funny? We were talking about this last night. You can thank her after service for this revelation. She said, it don't matter what other people say. She says, because that was never recorded in the Bible. None of what the other disciples, nobody to this day, we don't even know what happened in the boat. All we know is Peter walked on water. Peter began to sink, and then what? He let him drown because he was trying to teach him a lesson. No, he let him get almost to the point of death and caused that stuff to happen to him because he was trying to teach him something. No. He said, the Bible says he began to sink. How do you begin to sink? I mean, something either sinks or it doesn't sink. And a person walking on water, how do you begin to sink? Well, you can't walk on water to begin with. See, the power, listen to me, the power for you to step out of the boat is in the, war, is in the Word. It's in the Word you got from the Lord. But the grace to sustain the Word is in your attention and your gaze upon the Lord. Listen to me, you can have all the words in the world that you got, but if you don't keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, you will begin to sink. Begin to sink. And it says that he reached down, what did he do? But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he took his eyes and his gaze off of Jesus and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus, immediately, somebody say immediately. No, he didn't wait a little while because he was trying to make sure Peter was serious. He wasn't trying to teach him something. He wasn't using this opportunity as a teachable moment. The Bible tells me that the word of God and the Holy Spirit is my teacher. Now there are things we learn, but the Holy Spirit teaches us through those things. And immediately he stretched out his hand and called him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now let me say something about little faith here. Another way to term this is under 
developed faith as opposed to unbelief. It wasn't unbelief that he was wrestling with. It was underdeveloped faith. When you step out, there may be times where you begin to sink. Okay, well just, all right, Lord, whoo, stepped out here a little too deep, got my eyes off of you, help. And what did he do? He reached down there and helped him. And he said, you of little faith. In other words, it wasn't that he didn't have faith because Romans 12 tells us that every man has been given the measure, not a measure, the measure of faith. And if your Bible says a measure is wrong, the translators was wrong. The original is the measure. Romans 12, 3, I think it is. The measure of faith. All of us have been given that faith. And he stepped out there and the Lord raised him up and said, Oh, you of underdeveloped faith. He said, you did not develop your faith. You didn't keep your faith developed. What was he saying? He was saying, you took your eyes off of me. When you step out, you ready? When you step out in Kairos moments, when you sense the season and the time is now, when you step out, you keep your eyes glued to Jesus. Because there's a lot of things that can distract us. Good things and bad things. But for some of the body of Christ, they're not even recognizing the Kairos moments. Matthew chapter, uh, let's see if I can find it. Matthew chapter 16. Just turn one place over. Matthew chapter 16. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testifying... Him asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. Come on, Lord, show us something. Prove it. He answered to them and said, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign And no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. He's saying there are signs of the times all around you, but you're not picking it up. Listen, guys, there's signs all around us. There's no way that the fact that that, uh, the Chicago Cubs, wasn't it them that won the World Series? The Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Donald Trump became president. And the, um, Tom Brady led his team to win the Super Bowl in the greatest comeback of all time. And in the history of all history, there has never been a Super Bowl that has gone into overtime. Somebody say sign of the times. Say, well, that's very carnal, you know, that's a very carnal way of putting it. Yeah, but that's because the carnal world responds to the spiritual manifestation of the times. The stock market is doing things that people don't even understand. Interest rates going up and interest rates go down. Stock market goes up, comes down a little bit, goes up. They don't even understand it. Why? And you see people rioting in the streets. For what? 
They don't even know. Somebody say sign of the times. The weather. I mean, I can't, I mean, I got jackets in my closet that I can't even put on. Why? Because it isn't cold enough. We got a fireplace that we'd have to turn the air conditioner on and light the fire so we could feel like we got a fire in the middle of the winter. The sign of the times. The spiritual atmosphere of churches around. Listen, churches are, God is moving on the hearts of his people and the earth, listen, do not be surprised because the Bible says that the earth groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. It groans. Kairos moment. Now, let me tell you the end of Esther and then we'll close. You ready? So what happens? So she goes, she fasts for three days. And at the end of those three days, she gets a banquet. She tells all of her maidservants, she's the king's wife. She tells them to get everything ready. And she goes and she presents herself to the king. And the Bible says in Esther chapter 5 that the king looked at her and his heart was happy. (laughs) She throwed something down on him. When I see my wife, no matter what happens, 99.999% of the time, my heart, even that one, even the times when you're so mad, I see her and my heart just, so favor came into his heart towards her and says, and he extended his scepter and he says, tell me because you have made my life happy. Tell me what you want and I'll give it to you. And she said, well, the Lord will give me that time, but if it pleases the king, I want you and Hammond to come to my house, and I'll, to come to our house, and I want to fix a banquet for you. And he says, so be it. And he comes, and he comes. And Mordecai and Haman plots against Mordecai and listens to the enemy. And the enemy tells him, well, you're the same thing that he told Adam and Eve Well, you ought to be king. You ought to just build a gallow and get Mordecai away and hang him. So he said, that sounds good. Let's do it. So he builds this gallow to hang Mordecai. The Lord's setting all this up. Somebody say Kairos moments. See, here's the thing about Kairos moments. You don't have to do nothing. All you got to do is show up and be obedient. Mm. All you got to do is be at the right place at the right time. Esther wasn't worried about being at the right place at the right time. She just was living her life. And in the confines of her life, there were moments that kept happening that kept happening. And she obeyed. And at that Kairos moment, she was in the presence of the king. And the evil Haman was there. And Mordecai was there. And everybody was there. And he said, what shall I do? And she said, this man that is your second in command has been lying to you and deceiving you. And he says this, this, and this. And it says that the king was so furious, he walked out on the balcony and Haman began to beg for his life because he knew his number was up. And it says that the king came back in from the balcony and found Haman laying on the couch. And he said, you're going to try to attack my wife? That was the end of the story. And the servants go, hey, he done built a uh, gallow out there. Let's just hang him on the gallow. And he said, hang him. And, it ha- and it, that's it. End of story. See, when you're in that Kairos moment, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to persuade nobody. All you got to do is be obedient. And God will take care of the naysayers that have been talking about you and trying to come against you. 
Listen to me. That was all that the Bible ever said about Haman. The, the 11 disciples that were in the boat, the Lord didn't say nothing about them. Not at that moment. Don't worry about what people say. Why? I mean, is it really going to make any difference? Listen, you just be obedient. It's what I'm, I'm just going to prophetically tell you some things that I feel like the Lord's saying. You just be obedient and do what the Lord tells you to do. The Lord will take care of the results. Because you can't argue with results. Well, I don't understand how. Well, me neither. But there it is. It don't matter. God has got your back. And if you will live your life in obedience, if we will live our lives into obedience to those Kairos moments, the Lord will take care of everything. Through the instruction of Mordecai, which is basically the Holy Spirit, Esther realized that her life had far greater purpose than merely maintaining her own immediate comfort and status quo. You're going to have to die to that. We all are going to have to die to that. This is about something greater than our life. This is about, and listen to me, because of her obedience, now the nation of Israel today experienced freedom because of her obedience. This has more than got more to do than just you. This has got to do with the generations after you. Langston is here because of his mother's obedience. He will be here, his grandkids, his kids, and his kids' kids will be here and will follow the plan of God for their lives because of who? Her obedience. It's got more to do. This has got more to do than just your life. This has got to do with kingdom significance. Your life is worth more than just your 100, 120 years on this earth. Somebody, she said, what? I believe this is the generation, our generation and generations after, that are going to take the clock and start going the other way. It's taken all this for such a time as this. It's taken all these years. People very rarely live the past age of 100. Listen, if Jesus tarries his coming, I'm telling you, people are going to live longer and longer and longer. Why? Because we're allowing the life and the nature of God to come out of us in greater manifestation than ever before. And I can't explain it. I don't have to explain it. I just get to enjoy it. I want to say, I want to close in this, and I want to give you just a few keys, okay? You got a few more minutes, and then we'll go. Romans chapter 12. Your salt. She didn't even know that I was going to be talking about that. But I want, to, I want to say this. Romans chapter 12. Key number one I want you to understand about Kairos moments is that you have something to give. You have a part to play. You. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> for verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. See, you have the same measure of faith that I have. Ephesians 4. 
This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Because it speaks to me as a five-fold ministry gift. But listen to what he says at the very beginning of Ephesians 4. As a prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Every one of you have a calling. You have a mandate on your life. People, the worst place, the greatest place with the greatest potential in the world is at the graveyard. Because all the people that lie there that never reached their full potential and calling. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there was one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. One calling. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Inez, you have a measure and a gift according to the measure of Christ. You have a piece of Christ's mandated gift on you. You have a specific piece of the mandate that was on Christ's life on your life. You have a piece of that gift. You have a calling. And the biggest lie that the enemy's got is you ain't going to do nothing and you ain't going to amount to nothing. He took, he took an orphaned girl... And an exiled Jew, and they, an exiled Jew, and they weren't even related. They, he was adopt, he adopted her, and changed the course of a nation. Lord, if that's you, bid me come. But to each one is given the grace. You have a grace to walk in your gift. You have a grace to walk in your gift. Grace is not just unmerited favor. Grace is the ability of God. You have the ability of God to walk in your, gra- in your giftedness. And my heart is to see you and help you and shove you and push you with love into your giftedness. You can, I'm going to put you on the spot. You can ask her. I, I mean, I crawl her in a good way all the time. Why? Because I'm always challenging her. There's a gift in you. And she's like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then she gets up there and what happens? All of heaven falls down. Because there's a gift. And there's the ability and the grace to walk in that gift. See, I told you I'd get you back for putting that picture on Instagram. Snapchat. You have a gift. I like the New Living Translation. However, He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. You have a special gift that only you can contribute. See, God took the equation and said, Listen, none of you are going to be superstars individually. You're all going to be superstars. We're just all going to be superstars. And so we all work together in our... And see, when you begin to see that, you won't see his... It's not even so much his weaknesses. It's just his inability to function in the gift that God called you, and you're so busy trying to point out his inability, you don't realize that you're the answer to that inability. 
Now that'll preach. Amen or oh me, which one? When you recognize that, you see the deficiency or what, see the enemy goes, that's a deficiency. No, it ain't. They're not supposed to do that. You are. And the enemy wants you to go, see, they don't do that. I know, it's because you. I can't be all things. But we can be more things together than we can be apart. That's why we endeavor to keep the unity. Because it's not my job to be Morris. Morris is Morris. His job is to be Morris. My job is to be Lawrence. And together, now we just created a dynamic duo. Number two, be sensitive to the times. The sons of Issachar were wise men because they understood how to discern the times. How do you do that? By the Holy Spirit. Your ne- this is what I wrote down. Your next encounter with someone could be the last encounter that they have for a while. Don't pass up the Kairos moment. Number three, use your gifts according to your ability. Matthew chapter 25, it says that he gave the servants according to their ability. Here's the good news. You may only get one talent, but you use that talent to the ability that God's given you, then guess what? The principle is he'll give you more. Because if you're faithful over a little, he'll make you ruler over much. And last but not least, I go back to the one I started with. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Listen, don't be looking around. It don't matter what it looks like, does it? It don't. Let me just go ahead and let me just go ahead and settle it right now for you. Okay, you ready? There ain't no use in you looking around at what it looks like, because it looks like hell. It does. Because the earth don't like it. The, no, I shouldn't say the earth doesn't like it. The earth loves it. The prince of the power of the air doesn't like it. And so the wind and the waves and they're beating. Listen, you ought to just wake up in the morning and go, I must be doing something right. Because I mean, really? You that, I'm that kind of fuss over you? That I make you that uncomfortable that you've got to send 17 people across my path to say the same thing negatively? Really? That ought to make you feel, put a little pep in your step. What a Michael Jordan. I'm bad. Nah, you know what I'm saying? What did I say, Michael Jordan? Michael Jackson. Michael Jordan was bad too. You know, my, never mind. <clears throat> Michael Jordan missed more shots than he made. He sank more times than he floated. If you want to use Peter's analogy. But he kept on. Became one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Kingdom of God, listen to me, the kingdom of God suffers violence. So you might as well just get violent towards the enemy. Quit taking it out on each other. Stop taking it out on me. Let's get together and we'll take it out on him together. And just put his right there. For such a time as this, listen to me. Don't, whatever you do, there's one thing that I want you to walk away. I want you to walk away from this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep your eyes on Jesus. He'll let you know when the moments come along. And if you don't get the clue, he'll send a prophet along. And if you still don't get the clue, he'll send another one and another one and another one. Because as long as you've got your eyes on him, he'll keep you in the loop. Stand with me. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 through 5 says, In the fullness of time God sent 
His Son, Jesus. There is a time, there is a fullness of time. There are some people, now I already got a word this morning. There are some people that should have been here this morning that aren't here. Because the enemy knows the Kairos moment. He knows the word that comes forth. Well, you know what? You take this message and you go find them and you preach it to them so that they don't miss that moment. There's grace and there's mercy in these moments. But listen to me, guys. It's time. Can I just say it that way? And the, the, the best way I know to say it is I, me personally, I've got my foot on the gas and I have no intentions of letting off the gas. I don't intend on going backwards. If it costs me everything, I don't intend on going backwards. There's a mandate on my life. And I prophetically say that to you. There's a mandate on your life because I want us to be accountable one to another to remind one another there's a mandate on your life. I need you. You need me. And guess what? God needs you. He didn't create you to not fulfill your mandate. He needs you. We need every one of us in the body of Christ to fulfill what God's called us to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, I've delivered it as best and with all my faith and with all my heart that I know how to deliver it. Now I just ask and just release my faith that you are going to stir this up in all of us like you've been doing. Father, help direct us. Help us to be sensitive to what you're saying and what you're doing so that we don't pass and miss these Kairos moments. I believe with all my heart that you and I are going to begin to experience a greater acceleration in the plan of God for our life. You're going to see things that are going to happen that are going to be quicker than you ever thought because of your obedience, because of your, the mandate on your life, because you're obeying what God is saying and you value what it is He's saying, there's going to be an acceleration in your life. And you're going to go from point A to point B in a short period of time because you're being obedient and you value what the Lord is saying. If you don't value it, it's not going to benefit you. I urge you and I charge you, don't leave today without putting a weight of importance upon what you're hearing and what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you individually. You need to write it down. You need to pay attention. You don't want these moments to pass you by. Wake up and realize that God is moving. And he's going to keep on moving. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of what he's doing. I'm, I, matter of fact, I ain't going to say I want to. I'm going to be a part of what he's doing. Here I am, Lord. Bid me come. If that's you, bid me come. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Morris, would you come uh, just pray for us and dismiss us?
you was flipping your Bible earlier. And huh? Seemed like you had something you wanted to say. just have us know that this word today was a Kairos moment. There's not a person here that this word was not meant for. It was starting with me. So, Lord, we thank you for that word. I pray that it sinks deep down. Father, you told me several months ago to go deeper, Lord. This is going deeper. Lord, let this word do your bidding in our lives. Let this word spring forth new things within each and every one of us. Let this word realize a hundredfold increase in each and every one of us. Let this word, which comes from you, Heavenly Father, be a part of us from this day forward as we walk out of this. This room, this building, into the world that you have called us to, Father. We're the center and we're to go forth because you're the center and your word is going forth. Thank you, Father. Amen. <laughs>